Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast, brought to you in association with Betfred. Fred Doan is a Salford Red who opened his first shop in 1967. This podcast is brought to you around Manchester United's Europa League game against Real Sociedad at Old Trafford. The game took place a couple of hours after the death of Queen Elizabeth II was announced. UEFA insisted that the game went ahead because it was too late to do otherwise with fans inside and outside the stadium. It was the fifth time that Real Sociedad have played Manchester United. There were two games in the Champions League under David Moyes. That was notable because it was the first time when fans were given a section at Old Trafford to create a lot of noise. It was Elstan. It was quite fantastic and it was helped by the fact that 6,000 Real Sociedad fans visited Old Trafford that night. That is still the joint highest ever away following at Old Trafford. Along with those from another Basque club, Athletic Club, they came into 2012 and they were the last team to beat Manchester United in the Europa League at Old Trafford with players like Ike Munian and Ander Herrera until Real Sociedad won at Old Trafford. The day before the game, I spoke to Mikel Moreno, who's a Spanish international. He'd also played at Newcastle United and Borussia Dortmund. He was the man of the match. He's a central midfield player, plays alongside David Silva, He's 26 years old and, as you will hear, he's a bright guy. He's really highly regarded and he was speaking of a club who were in a really good place, not just because of the location in a fantastic city. Uh, since Manchester United played there when fans could go in 2013, they've redeveloped the stadium, they got rid of the running track, it seats 40,000 now, so the fans who will travel at the start of November will will see that. But also the club from a footballing perspective, the president's been there for a long time now. The coach has been there since 2011, rising up through the youth system, supporting David Moyes actually for a brief time when he was first team manager in 2015. And he's been in charge of the first team now since 2018, the year that Mikko Moreno um, joined. And what they've done is, they finished sixth, fifth, fifth. And for them, that is real progress because they're never going to be able to compete with Barcelona, uh, Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid or even Sevilla. So just to be reaching European football on a regular basis is a success. And also to be finishing ahead of the other teams from the Basque country in the north of Spain. There's almost been a mini league in recent years just along the coastline, our athletic club, who are a much bigger club than Real Sociedad. And then you have um, Alaves from the Basque capital of Vitoria. Uh, they went down last year. Ibar, which is very close to San Sebastian, have been playing top flight football. Osasuna from neighbouring Navarra as well, uh, a La Liga team. But Real Sociedad are the best of the lot. And in 2020, they reached the Copa del Rey final. It was put back a year because of COVID. Their opponents were athletic clubs, so it was the first ever Basque Cup final. And it's a great shame that it, it was delayed by a year. But Real Sociedad won. 
That was their first trophy since 1987. Now, if you go back to 1987, Real Sociedad only used Basque players, but they had a problem because Athletic Club from Bilbao tended to get the best Basque players. And Real Sociedad had a think and thought, we're going to have to try bringing some players in from abroad. And there was some uh, reluctance to accept that. So they pushed on with it because, well, they needed a striker. They'd lost a couple of key players to Athletic Bilbao. And they signed a scouser, John Aldridge. When John Aldridge arrived in San Sebastian, uh, he walked down the street one day and he could see his name written, but he couldn't understand what was written in graffiti. And it was it said, Aldridge, go home. And there was lots of signs of foreigner, go home around uh, San Sebastian. It was a real hotbed of Basque nationalism as well. Uh, Etta um, were, were very uh, strong and active at the time. And John Aldridge, and I spoke to him, was very unnerved by all of this. But then John Aldridge scored two goals away at Barcelona. And Larry Alphans thought, actually, these foreigners might not be that bad at playing football. Aldridge was a big success for Real Sociedad. And when he chose to leave to go back to England a couple of years later, there were some personal issues, his, his daughter wasn't fully settled in school, Real Sociedad fans held a protest to stop him going. They didn't just sign John Aldridge at that time, they signed two other Englishmen, Kevin Richardson and Daley Atkinson. Kevin Richardson was a pretty solid um, first division footballer. He'd been at Aston Villa and he absolutely loved it in San Sebastian. He loved the side experiences. When he got player of the month, he was invited to um, a Basque cooking society dinner. And lots of the men, they cooked together. Rather like um, people might go for a, a pint together in, in England. And he turned up and was presented with a huge fresh fish and didn't really know what to do with it because his freezer wasn't big enough to store it. Dalian Atkinson, uh, rest in peace, he had a more difficult experience. He suffered some racism and he didn't always endear himself to the locals. He'd drive along the seafront in San Sebastian in a, a bright yellow Ferrari. He flirted with Atletico Madrid and he wasn't the success that John Aldridge was or that Kevin Richardson was. So Real Sociedad, they've had some pretty troubled times. They've been down, they've come back up. They almost won La Liga in 2002 before fading, just before the end of the season. But they've been in a, a really decent place. And they've got Xavi Alonso as their B team manager. Last season, they were the only club in La Liga to have a B team in Spain's second division. So it's a huge achievement. This would be like Manchester United reserves playing in the Championship, except that's not a great example. It would be like. Uh, Aston Villa's reserves playing in the Championship and Real Sociedad's B team, they were up against big, big sides like uh, Malaga or Zaragoza or Sporting Gijon and that showed how good their youth system is. It's a fantastic youth system. So many of the players come through and a lot of them are from Gipuzkoa, which is Spain's smallest province. It's the province immediately around San Sebastian, which is only a city of 200,000 people. It's not a big, big place. And 
it showed how good the youth system is. So what Real Sociedad have tried to do is bring players through that academy into the first team. They've done it really well and supplement that with signing experienced players such as David Silva, clearly he's brilliant, and Mikel Moreno, who uh, was good enough to play for Spain, uh, played for Borussia Dortmund, played in the Premier League a bit with Newcastle, who wanted to keep him, but he felt that he wanted to be playing more football. And then they signed pretty intelligently. So so they signed uh, Alex Isak, a striker who'd been struggling at Borussia Dortmund. They paid good money for him. And he came to Real Sociedad on, I think it was a fee of a million, young Swedish striker. And they gave him time to play and played him in a very specific system. He had to fit into that system. He was a teenager, six foot four, and he did well. And he's just been sold to Newcastle United for 60 million. So that money will go a long, long way at Real Sociedad. But this summer, they lost some key players. Adnan Janazai, he left. He was an experienced player. And there were others. Uh, Porto, uh, Isak, who I've mentioned. Rafinha, who'd been on loan as well. So that left Mikel Moreno, at age 26, as one of the veterans of the team. And he told me that he needed to be a leader, uh, to learn from players above him like David Silva, but also to help the young um, talents. Uh, who were who were all coming through? Uh, I asked him what it meant to play against Manchester United, and also how he felt about the last time the teams had met, where Manchester United won four 0 in Turin, and I, I had a sense that they felt that really didn't do Real Sociedad justice. How did you feel when you uh, Real Sociedad were drawn in this group with with Manchester United and and the other teams? What was your your reaction? Well, uh, it was a mix of uh, feelings because uh, I think my first impression was what a tough, what a tough opponent. Uh, it's not always the best to face these kind of opponents when you are in uh, in the in the group stages because you want to have a you know more pleasant uh, trip. But at the same time, it's a a, a huge challenge for us. I think. Uh, it's always great to face uh, good teams, to go to stadiums like, for example, Old Trafford, who has a lot of history and, and is a, a magical place. I think uh, my final uh, thought is uh, that we're really privileged to, to, to have this, uh, this opponent. If you want to win a competition like Europa League, you have to face top opponents. And, well, it doesn't matter if it's at the beginning or at the end. So... Uh, we are, or I am happy that we have to play against uh, United. It's a, a great choice, a great, great chance for us to prove ourselves, and hopefully we have uh, good luck. You played against United before in empty stadiums in Old Trafford. So Larry Al have played in Old Trafford in 2013. There were six thousand travelling fans at this game. When you played, was completely different. Two questions. How was that experience? Was it weird? Was it unusual? And do you feel that the game in Turin, it was 4-0 to United? Do you feel you did not uh, do yourself justice in this game? Well, uh, the first question, yes, it was weird to play without fans. Uh, but at the same time, we were used already to that. Mm. Because as a footballer, you have to get used to these things quickly. 
if you want to to give your best. Really looking forward for this game with all our fans, all the United fans, to feel the the atmosphere and the the Premier League uh, power again. Uh, and yeah, uh, as you said, I think we didn't do justice to ourselves in that game. I think we played a better game than the result was. Yeah. Uh, or Neil, uh, or, or yeah, Neil four is too big for for the game. I think, but that's what can happen when you play against these top teams that they have so good players that in one chance they score. They don't need too many chances to score goals. But well, uh, I think we want to prove ourselves now. We want to see or uh, and show everybody that we are a good team, that we are uh, capable of competing against top teams, and we have our chance now on on Thursday away from home. Uh, with an opponent crowd that is going to be cheering for them, but at the same time we are we are you know a lot of energy and with the proper mindset to approach this game and uh, hopefully take something positive with us. What did you think of the stadium last time? It was amazing. Uh, I I was there uh, in my time in Newcastle as well. Mm. Uh, the feeling was that it was huge, huge stadium with a lot of. Uh, Space for the for the fans, special with the entrance from the from the corner. Well, I think when you are in the pits, obviously uh, you are not uh, attending the the crowd or, or the people in the stands. But uh, it's always nice to play in these stadiums where you can feel the the energy of the people and and obviously it's a magical place with a lot of history and, and well, uh, I'm looking forward really to play uh, again in this stadium. Was it unfair that you played the game in Turin? Do you think that made a difference psychologically, even though you would have been with no supporters in, in Donostia? Yes, it, it was a, a tough day because uh, a lot of things were new. We, we knew uh, we were playing against a top side, but at the same time we had, uh, you know, we expected to, to compete, but a lot of new things for us, you know, new stadium, uh, traveling the day before, not feeling at home, not feeling uh, as comfortable as you as you would feel uh, at home. Uh, you know, sleeping in your in your house and doing the routine you are used to do when you play at home. Uh, and I think that that was a big thing for us, having to play two matches away from home because uh, that's what what it was. Uh, and hopefully this time is 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 different when we play at home and, and we can show ourselves with our people, uh, you know, a better version of ourselves. It's post-match after another European thriller at Old Trafford, up there with the likes of Astana, Cluj, Zoya Hansk, AZ Alkmaar. No, um, uh, very disappointing. 1-0 defeat to Real Sociedad. Um, poor performance. With me, I've got Stu Edwards and John Ashton, um, and we're somehow going to try and get a bit of um, airtime out of this game, what we've just watched. Lads, it was a bit of a deflation, that, weren't it? Yeah, it was just like like most people think. I think before they turn up to these games, you know, the first, you know, European game of the season, it's like this sometimes in the Champions League, let alone in the Europa League, and that's exactly for me. I have a team set up first half. It was absolutely dreadful first half. Come out a little bit second half, didn't we? I've not seen. I've not seen the penalty back. I'm sure we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, but yeah, I just the team obviously was it was going to be shook up a little bit. But you know, I don't watch Sociedad every week. But that the team that started has enough experience on there, and people who you'd think be knocking on the door to to get in the team 
whenever we play next. Um, but yeah, just a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? John, I've got a feeling I know what's coming with you, but can we just um, <laughs> can we just um, be a bit more general um, about the game? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, get, get the good out of the way first and foremost, if that's the right word. But I mean, n- nobody really wanted nobody really wanted to be here, did they? The, the fans didn't really want to be here. The players looked like they didn't want to be here. And as much as I don't champion the European Super League, nights like tonight, you kind of. I mean, even watching it this week. You get they give some credence that there needs to be some serious reform with European <laughs> football, doesn't it? Because it's just like you know you, you should be. Everyone was buzzing for the match on Saturday. I'm even buzzing to watch us on Gates Crystal Palace on Sunday if it goes ahead. But for tonight, everyone's just like, oh, it's just like it was like a chore again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it, it, it wasn't a great performance. It, it, it what perhaps galls you a little bit is that this should be the night that for some of those players who are knocking at the door. Should be, you know, staking a claim to to knock the likes of Scott McTominay and Marcus Rashford out of the team, and I don't think those players did did themselves any favours whatsoever. I wanted um, to come on to that actually because um, there was a few I, I noted, you know, after watching Martinez defend, you know, and Varane defend over the last few weeks, not to mention, you know, the battling um, Scott McTominay in midfield, Christian Eriksen playing well. Um, I I was thinking to myself, well, the people who come into the team now, they at least know that you know they're going to have to. You know, pull the finger out and put in a, a very good performance to dislodge him, but you just didn't see that, did you? Well, well, the, 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 the ones who you'd say were sort of on the edge of them, that that you know, the periphery of the team who, who are trying to dislodge you, you likes of your Rashford, you likes of McTominay's, I thought were the poorest ones on the pitch. You know, your Ronaldo's, your Casemiro's, your Freds, I thought were desperately disappointing for United tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, some people will continue to make excuses for certain people, but I mean, I heard people on the way out saying, oh, how, how much a difference it was having Maguire and Lindelof in the team. I was like, you can, surely can't blame that, blame those people for us having two shots on target or something all night um, no. and losing to a game which was a horrific penalty and it was never a penalty for anyone who has, has Seen it, seen it again. Um, but it, the problems were at the top end of the pitch, and the lack of creativity, particularly when Ericsson went off. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's the most disappointing part. It's players who really should be battling to, sh- to show the manager that they warrant a place in the team against Crystal Palace on Sunday. And from what you saw there, um, you, you wouldn't expect any of them to get in the team. You're right. We, we, we all know the spine on the side is so important. And yeah, we had Dumb and Dumber at the back, and tonight we had fucking Chucker Brothers in midfield as well because them two were just uh, you, you, you know unbelievable, really. Considering they both play for you know for well, they've got, Brazil they've got, together. Got a brilliant record for Brazil apparently, but, but they mustn't have ever had to play Real Sociedad in any yeah. of their, in their fucking <laughs> South American qualifiers. Honestly, you see better than that on, on a Sunday league on a Sunday morning at eleven o'clock, wouldn't you? I, I think they were both absolutely dreadful tonight. So that's like I said, that's that's the back two parts of your spine and then obviously we know who we've got up top so there was just nothing up front was there it was all going down the left really with Alanga uh, first half Casemiro then do we worry or you know do we think he's not had a pre-season well he he probably has for Madrid but you know he's had a Unsettled starts of the season. He's been in and out, 20, 30 minutes here and there. You've, you know, do do we, you know, give him a month? You've got um, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can't sit here and say shit because we know he's not. He had a bad night, though. Didn't well, he? I, I, he did have a bad yeah, night, and yeah. he's and he's playing with again in a, in a very mixed team. He's coming in from probably thinking, you know, what's going on here, sort of thing. And he's been he's been thrown together again with another. You know, it's okay saying he plays with Fred and the Brazilian, but then he's got you know Ronaldo who doesn't run up front. Does he does he really trust? Probably doesn't trust the two behind him, and then he's looking left and right. So you know he, he's come from a, a very 
young talented you know team in Madrid have just won the Champions League to looking around him thinking what's going on and like you said he's not match fit and he needs another probably 10 games under his belt by which time it'll be the World Cup Well I'm notoriously sceptical about signing treble your money 30 years from Real Madrid as you know um, which nobody else seems everyone else seems to be oblivious to the reasons to why they want to come to Manchester United but I mean the fact you can't knock Scott McTominay out of the team should ring, raise fucking alarm bells big massive ones um, it, and looking at what's all tonight I agree with Stu, I think he needs some minutes, I think he needs some time, but I don't really, I look at him and think to myself, you're a 300 grand a week spoiler, um, for that sort of money you expect a little bit more, um, and I don't think he was somebody we especially needed for that sort of money, I said last week that I think we bought him only because we didn't get De Jong, and they, 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 they obviously looked at the, the, the grief they would get for chasing him for three months, yeah. um, and then didn't get him, and I think they needed big money shiny shiny signing for with a load of pots behind his neck um, from another football club but um, it's another story like I said three games in you're probably not going to go too mad on somebody but I mean the only um, bright spark I saw tonight really was Christian Eriksen I thought um, you know there was a couple of close um, chances passes that nearly came off um, really clever ones actually he was outstanding first yeah, half yeah, um, yeah. and the second he went off it, it, that was it that was the end yeah, of us he's the only one it? with a brain isn't he let's be honest how much of it do you think is the movement though because like when I was looking at Casemiro Fred getting the ball you know I, I was really disappointed with Ronaldo's movement tonight you know and it it, it, it really was you know even I, I, I saw us get even loads of throwing second half in their half and, and literally nobody could yeah. be asked moving no, is, is this where you put me on mute <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, you, you know my thoughts on Ronaldo, anyway, and that with every time I watch him, the, what annoyed me more than anything in this first half, in the first half especially, he, he wasted a couple of decent half opportunities himself. He was offside in periods when every he shouldn't time. have been offside, yeah. and then there was another couple of occasions when he, he so he didn't get the pass he wanted when the ball was still in play, and he stood still, throwing his arms up in the air. And if he'd been alive to the second ball, he would have actually been thrown goal a couple yeah. of times. Um, that was what frustrated me. And I thought I still don't get what any Manchester United fan sees in what he's bringing to United right now and I don't care what the likes of Johnny Bobbins off the internet say about this either um, I'm still not, I'm still not having it come on field moment, yeah, friend, friends yeah. of ours or not I'm, I'm still not having him I'm, I'm not having that they bring anything to Manchester United um, and I know people said oh where would we have been last year well we would have been there's, there's two schools of thought either one our school of thought that we'd have been better off and probably in the Champions League or two we wouldn't we would have been worse off and not in the Europa League either way we're not, not sat here watching this shit tonight so I'm not having him in one bit the sooner he's out of the football club for me the better the centre half as well it was it was too easy for him uh, second half in particular you know he's, he's obviously if he's you know he's, he's, he's tired of course he is everyone's tired of him in the second half but you know he likes well, like we just said he didn't really put it in first half and just a little wiggle of the hips from the centre half and they're just literally a sidestep and they're away from him I mean no, he's not going to chase him back and that happened two or three times and that's frustrating because you know obviously that any other team you know they don't get out that easily and, and it's like he, he plays in between like he he doesn't, he, you know, he won't run in behind. Um, he won't come short for the ball either. But when the ball goes wide, you suddenly see this person absolutely come alive and start charging into the box. And it's like that's that can't be the only thing to your game, you know. He, he still, he still looks. He look. He's starting to properly look his age. Yeah. Um. As much as much as he could still finish, he's looked he his age now. You know, we, we've we've been here over the years. We watch United for long enough time. You know, we saw we saw the likes of Brian Robson. We saw Gary Neville. We saw Lauren Blanc at the end of the careers. And he he looks every bit one of those players in the last few months of their careers. Yeah, where he needs where three thinking, touches, you're a you're a great you're a, you were a great player, but you're now getting to a point where you're almost wrecking your, not wrecking your legacy with what you've built, but but you're starting to look like. What someone your age should look like? Half chances. He, he was. He was. He was. You know, 
taken first time a couple of years ago. He's he's taking he's having to take or for some reason a second or third touch now. Maybe that's the ball isn't correct into him. Some sometimes yeah definitely you know the quality of a ball into him. But he, he does seem uh, he he needs it on a plate almost, and and he can't he, he can't be in a position where he's got to be you know in a, in a one-on-one race with somebody because he's not going to win it. Well, the, the one good thing, I mean, the last few days, if, if there was ever any any sort of doubt knocking about, that, that we can all at least accept that Marcus Rashford's very much deserving of his place ahead of him in the team. Um, and the last week has done him absolutely no favours in terms of anyone who who thought that, you know, perhaps he, he wasn't deserving it and Ronaldo should be in there because, for me, it's an absolute no-brainer who should be up top. And it, with with um, you know the the wages he takes on from United as well, still the highest paid player in the Premier League as well, you know that, that with that's got to come some expectation. You can't just keep making excuses for him. Well, there's, there's some people expect him to score forty and fifty goals this season, given the chance under this manager. Which anyone with I know you're right about there actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyone with half a brain obviously knew that was going to be good. I'll take four or five of him to be honest. Um, it, he's, he's proved today that what he should be, he should be an impact substitute. He can come on with 20 minutes to go, and he's done reasonably well, I think, in the yeah. in the league games when he has come on in that point, and you, you know you're still playing on the counter attack. I mean, today today's still shown that United is still dreadfully lacking of options up front. Um, Anthony, you're going to give him a bit of a benefit of the doubt in terms of he's probably going to need a bit of time, but you know he's still in sort of Sancho sort of territory where you don't see that much of him in the game. Um, Alanga flatters to deceive a little bit. Had the beating of his man with the, with his pace all all that first half, but his, his delivery was poor. And then after that, you start looking around saying, you know, where, where's that spark? Especially when Ericsson went off the pitch. Um, so they're, they're still massively lacking up front, and and we're still suited more to playing counter-attacking football than being on that side who's on the front foot a little, a little bit at the minute. Yeah, definitely. So, Europa League then, um, are we worried about qualifying as well? Is it, I'm is not. It, no. I'm certainly not booking my flights to Budapest just yet, put it that way. Um, I mean, the next two games, again, should be absolutely, you know, not three points with, with ease, shouldn't it? But, again, who knows with this set of players and, and the ones on the fringe and uh, do they come both quite quickly, actually? The next I saw two games. something tonight, actually, and I, I was thinking you might know this, John. Um, is it something about second place no yeah, longer gets guaranteed? No, they've, cha- they've, they've yeah. changed it so that in the past it was a it was a knockout stage of 32. Now that next round is only the runners-up of this group, runners-up in the groups against the third place in um, the Champions League. So there's no actual round of 32. It's a, it's another sort of round of 16, and they all get through, and then go through to another round of 16 where you've got the group the group winners plus those eight. So we end up playing someone coming out of the Champions League if you finish second. If you finish second, if you finish right. first, you don't even play anyone in that round. You straight into the last 16. So that could be you know quite a decent team. Well, well, it? well I mean yeah. that, that's 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 the, the 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 bad thing about tonight is the fact that you've, you know you've. I still think United will qualify from the group quite comfortably, but what tonight should have been is you get three points out of arguably your, your biggest rival. Yeah. You can then look at maybe starting playing some kids in the next next round, you know, making it in the next games, but now it's getting to a point where you're now going to have to make sure you win. Away you get 12 points out of 12. Maybe, or, well, yeah, well, yeah. we play them away in the last game, which could be a crunch one in yeah. terms of getting through. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have to make sure we get 12 points out of 12 out of the next four games as well. Um, whereas tonight would have given you a bit of leeway if you just nicked a winner. I mean, like I said, it, the, the penalty decision was scandalous. Not seen it. And they didn't they didn't offer that much themselves either. But for a team, I you, can't think of a chance in the old you game. Can't, you he, can't hide behind that. It was just it was an appalling game of football. Um, and and I wish I wish it had been. Um, I wish some other news had been announced a bit earlier and we got cancelled actually tonight. Looking at it. Yeah. So, so with um, you know, with with the game then, like and the the, the way this. You know the mood's gone. 
is it good to have a reality reality check at this point because you know it's not um, a, a result that's a, a tremendous blow I, I, is it I think so as long as people blame the right people for it because you know what's going to come tomorrow there's going to be memes around about Harry Maguire's record when he's played for United this year yeah. and in, in no way you could say that was his fault tonight um, compared to some of the other players who were in the team um, it is a reality check in, in the sense that we can't get away with making so many changes I don't think Um but also, it's, it's, it's the mentality that they, they look like we do. Did last year, they looked half assed tonight, and you almost can't blame them in this competition. But, you know, it's their fault we're in this cup. So, you know, give, while you're on the pitch, give it, give it what you've got. It's a strange one. We, we, we joked about it after the podcast on Sunday, didn't we? But, you know, um, you know, we're obviously happy with that result. And, yeah, we rode our luck a little bit. And I, I think most people expected the team to be a lot sort of like more different than it was when it started tonight, didn't they? Let's be honest. I think people were expecting six or seven changes. Um, but maybe it just again it is to use those words reality check that our, our squad isn't as as you know it, it, we've not, we've not got the depth as as what we think maybe uh, in terms of quality or is it just that you know players can't be asked because it's the Europa League. I think it was six changes in fairness to you, but no, I get I do get I get what you mean completely. I mean the the biggest worry is this was our glamour fixture as well out of the six, isn't it? Really, it was exactly this was the yeah. one to look forward to. And it was um, so pretty much a sellout, six, I think, as yeah, well. Yeah, it, it was. It was. So it was. It was a pretty reasonably full ground. Our poor kids there turned up. It, it's just I just that. I just think it speaks volumes about European football right now. I, I think mm. that the whole the whole group stages have become. Yeah, a procession. Right. They've become a, a just a, a chore. There's nothing to have a look forward to with the way the seedings go on. And I just think you know you still expect us to, to comfortably qualify the same way you expect Liverpool to still comfortably qualify the way you expect Chelsea to comfortably qualify. Just the whole there does need yeah, to be a massive it's, reform it's, in terms of European football and how they do it. They'll probably so make it even worse. But February, isn't it? No one gives a shit. Till February. This is the problem, yeah. Florentino yeah. Perez here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think you know when when I think of you. United tonight though I mean to, to try and sum it up you know there was a lot of players with an opportunity there to show and pretty much every single one of them failed didn't they yeah Malassi uh, did okay again I think maybe mean the ones yeah the yeah, yeah, ones who come in yeah yeah. no you're right I suppose, yeah, yeah. I, I, there's nobody you could say who, who, who's of all, of, all those, of all those changes I mean who were the changes there Lindelof Maguire Fred Casemiro Ronaldo Elango Elango was probably the best one out of those six and you know, and he's someone that we've, has been castigated a little bit for for not being quite the level. But none of those players, you think to yourself, yeah, you've got to be in yeah. the team on Sunday. But again, Alanga has been thrown in because of the circumstances around the squad and the team in the last couple of years. A bit like Rashford was maybe with Van Gaal. You know, he was he was chucked in by Van Gaal because of the situation up front, and we're, we're six seven years on. And again, we're relying on a 19-year-old lad in Alanga to turn up and you know get us out of the shit every week. Well, I, I agree, but that, that's what I, th- I think. Too many United support tomorrow, though, will will give free passes to the players who I think deserve the most stick in terms of Ronaldo and Casemiro. I think we've thought were dreadful. Um, and again, they'll revert to type and blame it on the likes of Alanga, blame it on Maguire for coming into the team and losing. And I don't think they were the ones who warrant the criticism that, that some others do. No, I'd, I'd go not. to PSV and see if Rude Van Nistelrooy can come out of retirement. <laughs> worth a shot. We do, and it, what it was, it was shocking the movement up top tonight. I, you know, when I was watching it and the body language, and you know, I was when Casemiro got on the ball in his own half and was looking for to pass forward. There was just nobody moving. It, it wasn't as good as a pre-season friendly, was no, it? No, no, it, it was really bad. <laughs> it, it was. It, there's no, there's no getting around. It was a shocking night, and as well, you know, when you get when you start dragging towards the end of the season, March and April, these are exactly the nights you start thinking, oh God, I hope we don't go into that, you know. Europa League 
Um, but you know, it just proves to be right. It, it, it really. It, some of these nights, um, we're in there for a really reason. shocking to watch. We're yeah. in there for a reason, aren't we? Yeah. And, we and we, you know, okay, we beat Arsenal on Sunday, but there's still a hell of a lot of work to do if we want to even contemplate playing yeah, Champions no, League football this time next year. We are in there for a reason, but you know, you've got to give the supporters some credit because the supporters come out in the numbers tonight. None of us particularly want it to be, and none of us the night will will not sort of you know ring loud in our, our memories for in, in going forward but the players for me just I don't know there was a sort of arrogance about them a little bit today that they felt like they were almost above it and couldn't quite get up for it like they do in the league games and that's the mentality shift that the club needs because the manager kind of has got it to a point and I do like the fist bumping when he get them out for the corner and, you know but they just didn't quite look up for it against that and if this team loses 10% of that sort of focus you can see it on the pitch and I think we'll take that because I think you hit on two positives there because you know, considering the cup schemes over now, you know that crowd tonight, super, very impressive. Very. You know, I I didn't see rows of empty seats at all. Obviously, the odd one dotted around the stadium, but yeah, you know, it, it did look full. Um, and also, you know, the Red Army, really good. Um, kept, kept, you know, got behind the team right till the end as well, which was, you know, for a for a Thursday night game, which we've been dreading. You know, not really much. Um, you know, get, getting up for it. It, it is it is quite impressive, that, isn't it? And that's the disappointing thing after Sunday. It's like, oh, yeah, we're back yeah. down again, aren't we? You know what I mean? I mean, I know, you know, who knows what's going to happen with what's happening. When's, when's the next one then? When's the next home game then? It'll be about three or four weeks. It's after, it's an international, isn't it? So it's, it's end of September. September right. So, yeah. but even if a Palace game goes ahead on Sunday, you know what I mean? It's like, that's a tough one. But I'll you talk know, to you after this podcast about what holidays I've got left. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just a, a massive, even more of a disappointment after Sunday's result against Arsenal because it almost like, you you know, you forget that now because, you, you know, tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and think, Jesus, what happened but it, might, night? it might be a good reality check just for a few players to just realise well, it. You know, hard it, to. it doesn't, yeah, it, do, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's and not going to come easy. it is disappointing though because, you know, when, when I was watching, um, you know, Martin as defender and Varane, I was thinking to myself and, you know, I was watching Scott McTominay playing well, I was thinking, I was seeing Rashford, you know, pl playing well and playing himself back into form. I was thinking, when people now come into this team, they know what they've got to do, and yeah. they, they just they didn't even look like these. That game could have been yeah. any game we've seen over the last yeah. three or four well, years. Again, yeah, the three of them. But so you know, De Gea, I'm going to drag into this as well. It, obviously, Lindelof and, and and Maguire. The three of them. It's, it's like the fucking footballs are, are an hand grenade. They just don't want it, and they just feel so. They look and feel, you know, so uncomfortable when, when we've got the ball and trying to, you know, to, to do the triangles to get yeah. it out. And I don't think it worked once tonight. Yet their, their keeper did it quite comfortably a few times. Second half, I think it was like late on. 80th minute, he chipped it over Sancho or somebody, he flicked it down the wing, and within two passes they had a shot on target. I think you've hit on something there as well, because I think when, um, you know, we, we get the... One thing I noticed in, in the last four games was the technical ability had, had improved massively, you know, we've seen people passing on the turn on the wrong foot, yeah. you know, that sort of thing, and that just weren't happening tonight, you know. No, they look, they scared look stiff. Like, well, the, the, it's the same in the midfield, the midfields look circles. so good from that little Ericsson, sort of Fernandez little... Um, partnership they were kind of building and that was yeah. kind of missing staying there was, and partnerships are a big thing in football and we talked about this last the other day on the podcast that there was a few sort of starting to develop yeah. um, so you can obviously give them a little you know a lot of them players haven't played much football so <clears> you, you didn't you didn't honestly see that team tonight think this was going to be a night of swashbuckling football but what was just disappointing though was that you just didn't see them go that extra mile you'd think for someone who I think needs to do it to be able to push themselves into that team so I wasn't expecting a, a game of brilliant football tonight but the effort levels just dropped I think 
to, to below what they have been so far in them last four games to back to prior to sort of last season I think they were yeah, that like, sort so of we've talked, we've touched on Ericsson and he's probably the only one you'd probably give a 7 or an 8 but the rest of them you know if you were scoring it now you'd struggle to give more than a 5 wouldn't yeah, you poor. yeah definitely so disappointing night at Old Trafford then and next game is Palace on Sunday if it goes ahead um, we're going to do man of the match I've got a feeling this might be unanimous to be honest We've just spoke about him, yeah, head and shoulders. If it had played 10 minutes, it'd have been man of match, Ericsson. Yeah, he's probably already at home in bed by now, but <laughs> we're stuck in this fucking car park. Yeah, I was, I was surprised yeah, he started, actually. Christian, but... if you're listening. Yeah, I was <laughs> surprised he started, but I have to say, even after half an hour, I thought to myself, he's the only one that's even slightly entertaining me here. So, yeah, we'll all give it Christian Ericsson, and we'll be back. When is the next home game? Leeds apparently next Sunday if it goes it's a week, week on Sunday, Sunday Leeds week yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's still some who are whether it's going to happen yeah, yeah. yeah the fixtures may be um, subject to change now oh, and that's week yeah, as, week we'll be playing while the World Cup's on I think yeah yeah <laughs> 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 won't be too bad yeah. no thanks everyone to everyone that bought the mag um, it's still it's still on sale against Leeds the same one um, it is a good mag and you know thanks to everybody that's bought it so far these Thursday nights Europa League games are the hard ones selling alright no thanks everybody and hopefully we'll be back against Leeds with a better after a better result thanks